And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. I'm here in Studio A with Jay Wynn Russick, our esteemed theater <laughs> critic. Good to see you, Judy. Good to be esteemed. Yes, indeed. So we're going to talk about Moulin Rouge. It's at the Hippodrome Theater, uh, and I understand that, that it isn't only a stage musical that's adapted from the movie, but it's also a jukebox musical. So in the past, we've talked about these two subgenres kind of separately, but here they are combined. Um, yes, and that has happened occasionally, rarely, um, probably not to this extent. Uh, this is based on Baz Luhrmann's 2001 movie, and that was a jukebox movie. The stage version has a script by John Logan. The script has more plot than the movie, and it also has more songs, though that may have barely seemed possible. The score is still built almost entirely from existing pop songs, everything from Rodgers and Hammerstein to the Rolling Stones. The stage show adds quite a few songs that post-date the movie. It takes place at the Moulin Rouge Cabaret in Paris in 1899, and it gets away from this deliberate anachronistic music, gets away with it, because the proprietor of the Moulin Rouge says, the Moulin Rouge is a state of mind. Now, I have to say my state of mind was pretty overwhelmed, overwhelmed in the sense of overcrowded visually and musically. Oscar Wilde, you may remember, said, nothing succeeds like excess. And this show did win 10 Tony Awards, including the Best Musical Tony. But though it's essentially a show about love, and it has lots and lots of love songs, it doesn't have a lot of heart. It's more showmanship than sentiment. So this excess you're talking about, um, uh, does that apply to the plot as well? Well, as I said, there is more plot than there was in the movie. The basic storyline is the same. It's a love triangle. The Moulin Rouge is in financial trouble, and its owner, Harold Ziedler, thinks that a rich duke can save it. To win him over, Ziedler arranges a rendezvous for the Duke and Moulin Rouge's star, Satine. But Satine has fallen in love with a struggling composer. He was a struggling writer in the movie. The first act takes place mostly on stage at the Moulin Rouge, and the show's director, Alex Timbers, and choreographer, Sonia Taya, make it an extravaganza. In the second act, a lot of the action is backstage or it's at rehearsals. The act is slower. It's more melodramatic. But this is a show where the plot takes a backseat to the songs and the spectacle and the characterizations. At Tuesday night's opening at the Hippodrome, Christian was played by an understudy, Preston Taylor. He was filling in for an actor named Christian Douglas, who's from Towson. And he was on vocal rest opening night, but he's back in front of his hometown crowd now. I have to say, Preston Taylor was quite good. He has a strong singing voice, but there wasn't much chemistry between him and the very jaded Satine, who's played by Gabrielle McClinton. Frankly, there are so many songs coming at you, you don't connect with the characters. In fact, Moulin Rouge's smarmy proprietor, he's played by a excellent Robert Petkoff, he turns out to be a more caring character than the young lovers. I have an example of the onslaught of pop hits. This is the opening number. You'll hear some of Lady Marmalade, made famous by Patti LaBelle, and then you'll hear some of Talking Heads burning down the house. Before this clip starts, there's a bit of Cab Calloway's Heidi Ho. This is the Broadway cast. Let's listen. Oh, 
That's Welcome to the Moulin Rouge, sung by the Broadway cast. So the touring production of this show is at the Hippodrome. So what we just heard, Judy, as you point out, is you know a bunch of songs crammed into one. How many how many songs are there in this thing? Do you count them? Are there and are there original songs to this you know stage production? There are something like seventy pop songs, though Ooh. some of these are just snippets. Um, for a lot of the audience, recognizing these songs is a large part of the fun. Satine's number one, big first big number, her first big number in the show, starts with Diamonds Are Forever from the James Bond movie. Then comes a bit of Jewel Stein's Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. And then we get Madonna's Material Girl. And then we get Beyonce's Single Ladies. These are more or less in succession but sometimes, like the number we just heard, the songs are layered on top of each other. It's an exciting effect, but like most jukebox musicals, the songs were never intended to advance the plot or develop character. And to answer the second part of your question, Christian and Satine do have an original love song, Come What May. It was a song that was written for the movie. I brought the end of that song, again, from the Broadway album. Let's listen. That's right. Cue the big ending. That's Come What May from Moulin Rouge. It's now at the Hippodrome Theater here in Baltimore. So Judy has said that this show is visually overwhelming. What do you mean? Give us, <laughs> give us an example or two. Well, Baz Luhrmann, who did the movie, is a very visual director. He knows overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he specializes in it. And you can do a lot of effects in a movie that you can't do on stage. So I really wondered how this was going to look. Even without special effects, it comes across as sumptuous and opulent, despite the fact that Moulin Rouge has fallen on hard times. Both Catherine Zuber, who did the movie for the, who did the costumes for the stage show, and Derek McLean, who designed the sets, have worked at Baltimore Center Stage in the past. And Catherine Zuber's costumes are a real tour de force. There's the glitz of feathers and sequins and fishnets and down to small details like the back of the Duke's black tailcoat, which has a very subtle Art Nouveau design in it. And Zuber also gets to bring a touch of class to an added scene that features the French aristocracy and Satine getting a makeover. Derek McLean's set captures the, the show's kitsch sensibility from sparkles and confetti to a huge neon Moulin Rouge sign. So it's interesting. Moulin Rouge is pretty rare in that it's at the Hippodrome for two weeks. Most of the shows we talk about at the Hippodrome are only in town for a week. So, you know, it sounds like you're a little mixed on this one. What do you think? Is it worth the extra time that it's going to be in town? Well, Tom, I wish that every show that came to the Hippodrome were here for two weeks. Moulin Rouge is the only one this season. This is a very busy time of year for most of us, and while Moulin Rouge is certainly glitzy enough for the holidays, the plot turns dark, the subject matter is definitely not for the kids. For me, the show is so full to the brim with singing and dancing, it's just not fulfilling. Even after, here comes a minor spoiler alert, even after the tragic ending, the production immediately goes into a big, upbeat finale. And that seems to be what its creators want. 
And that's what the audience gets, more glitz and glamour than heart. All right, glitz, glamour, heart, whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) You can get a little of it, uh, a little of each down at the Hippodrome Theater. And again, Moulin Rouge, it's at the Hippodrome until a week from Sunday, so December 17th. So uh, next week, Judy, we're going to talk about a wonderful uh, company here. We've been talking about them for a few years, Art Centric, and they are producing Cinderella at Baltimore Center Stage. So Art Centric is one of those groups that sort of moves around, and they've collaborated with Center Stage in the past as yes. well, where they've done some of their productions at Center Stage. So that'll be fun. Absolutely. Look is, forward to talking about it. Is this like a new production? Have they reinvented Cinderella? They have. They have. It has an African sensibility. I saw it last night, and uh, more power to them for taking this new tact. I have always felt Art Centric is a company that's really on its way, and here I see an original vision. So eager to tell you more about yeah. it. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about that next week, the Art Centric production of Cinderella at Baltimore Center Stage. So thank you, Judy. We'll see you then. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Jay Wynn Russick is the author of Please Write, a novel in letters, a terrific stock and stuffer, if that's what you're thinking about these days, uh, if I do say so myself. And that's it for us today. Tomorrow, it's Midday with the Mayor. Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott will join me. We'll talk about the Hilton Hotel and what's going on there. The city owns the Hilton Hotel, and Mayor Scott at his press conference yesterday uh, raised the specter of perhaps the city selling it. So I'll ask him about that. Plus, we're going to have some radio theater. Vincent Lanchisi and the cast of Dial M for Murder will join me in Studio A to share a few scenes. That's the new show that opens tomorrow night at the Everyman Theater right across the street from the Hippodrome Theater here in Baltimore. So that's all on the way tomorrow. Coming up now at the top of the hour, it's here and now. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. I realized I forgot to say that... This is Baltimore's NPR News Station. Member support at 88.1 WYPR.